0: we
1: Sports, as always, I am Bo Reed along with Samantha Button and Matthew Irby. A little thunderstruck to get us started there. Samantha, how you doing? I'm okay,
2: sort of. It's been an annoying day. Um, it's been an <laughs> annoying day, but we're going to podcast now. Be, I'm doing better than the guy operating the Rocky <laughs> scoreboard. How about that? Are you, know, you okay, man? Like, <laughs> wow.
1: I, I feel like he's okay now. <laughs>
2: Well, yeah, he got it all out of his system
1: just, and onto the scoreboard. And, like, just Becky, him. man, what'd you
2: do? Jeez. <laughs>
1: God, what, what, what are we calling this? Are we calling this, like, like revenge scoreboarding? I, I mean,
2: kind of. Although, I, I hate to attach something, like, that nefarious to it. You know, it's like, I mean, he's definitely fired, right? He's definitely fired. That's to be. But, like, I, I don't know what's going on there. I, maybe it was his last day. Maybe it was his last day. And his girlfriend is the Diamondbacks scoreboard operator, and he is deeply displeased with her, um, or the Dodgers, or really anyone in the NLS. or heck, well, who were they playing? I don't even know who they were playing. Oh, they were playing oh. Houston. So m- maybe she works for the Astros. Maybe yeah. Becky is the Astros. Maybe it's metaphorical. Maybe he's not getting fired because Becky is the Astros. You know, I like mean, Becky with the good hair. Like if you think about, like think about the song Becky with the good hair. Like that girl's name was not Becky, right? So that's not her real name. So maybe Becky, in quotes, is the Astros.
1: I mean, I'm buying it. I'm buying it. Irby, how about you? Are you buying it? I mean, I, I think so. And, and based off of uh, this person's uh, description of Becky, certainly fits the Astros, right? So I'm buying. Irby, how about you?
3: I, yeah, no, I'm, I'm perfectly fine thinking that, you know, the, the Astros first killed the soul, attempted to kill the soul of many people, so they're taking the heart as well. So, yeah, I, I feel as though they are lifeless souls and um, have, you know, like poor Becky. So, yes, I, I can totally see that Becky is the medical metaphorical version of the Astros. So, yeah, <laughs> Becky, the, the Houston Becky, like this.
1: I mean, it's kind of poetic. The collapsed troll cave you call a chest cavity. I mean, it's it's not bad writing. It's not bad.
2: No, it's really not. I mean, as like overwrought, like purple prose, like I am angry and I want you to know that I feel this in my soul. It's not bad. I have to say it's not bad.
1: It's not <laughs> bad. Not bad writing at all okay well as much as i would love to talk about uh john doe and becky um we we have we have have other equally as hilarious things to talk about samantha you want to kick off our baseball coverage for tonight
2: yeah i mean let's let's talk about when you're your own becky right when you're your own worst becky Oh. Tweedledee and Tweedledum update. Um, Mets of the West and, and Mets of the Mets. Let's let's check in with our guys here and see how they're doing, the Mets and the Padres for so the uninitiated. Um, <laughs> Becky and Becky, self-beckying. Um So you know the Mets are forty-four and fifty. The the Padres are forty-five and fifty as as of Wednesday evening. Uh, They were both six and four in their last ten. But is anybody buying this? I mean, they're both fourth in their division. They look like they ought to be sellers at the deadline. I mean, I I don't know that that six and four. I mean, is that the least encouraging six and four you've ever heard? Like you got a lot of catching up to do, guys. Fourth place in your division, six and four ain't going to cut it, and I don't think you're going to be able to maintain that. But oh boy, these two. These two, Becky and Becky.
1: You know, I. How many games did the A's win? Not too long ago, they they won like six or seven in a row. At least six. That, yeah, that's how this six and four feels to me. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. It, it's very much. Oh, that's cute. Good for you. Now, now you you're, you're going to revert back to being you. I mean, no, I'm not buying it. Yeah, I.
2: I don't know, guys. I mean, I, I think the real question is, what do you sell? Who do you sell? Well, you
1: yeah, know, like. I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you there.
2: No, no, I was just going to, I mean, I want to throw some out there. Tell me what you think. I mean, if you're the Mets, I mean, I'm sure you're trying to move like Carlos Carrasco at the very least, right? I mean, maybe, maybe you move
1: Scherzer. Maybe. Maybe. Um, maybe Verlander. I don't know. See, here's the thing. And this, I don't think, yeah. Like, here, here, here's the thing, right? Like, both of these teams, at least on paper, this is something we've we've, we've we started with spring training with this, <laughs> and we've, we've set it throughout this first half of the regular season going into the trade deadline. We've said it before. Um, on paper, there's a lot of talent on each of these rosters. But it's not working. Does does that hurt the trade value of some of these guys? Scherzer's not pitching like Scherzer. Verlander's not pitching like Verlander. I, like Soto just now started hitting, and it's still not what he was a year ago. Like, the fact that all these guys are playing together and they've been abysmally awful, does that affect their trade value? I mean, if if, if you got the Mets calling you, you got the Padres calling you, saying, "Hey, uh, you know, you need a bullpen guy. I got a bullpen guy." It's like, well, the bullpen guy's not working out for you, is he? I'm just
2: curious. Do either of them have any bullpen guys? I don't know that they do. Well, they may, um,
1: they may not, but, but but still, it's, just, it's but, the same thing across the board.
2: Yeah, no, and the trade value is the trade value. I don't think it has anything to do with them specifically. It's just like, yeah, like I mean, Scherzer and Berlin are not worth what they would have been once, especially because they're expensive. Soto is a little different. I mean, and I, I think that if you wanted one Soto and you're willing to fork over whatever one Soto is worth, they don't know that his trade value is necessarily that much lower. It probably depends on whether you're viewing so rental or not. But the other two... I mean, yeah, like, of course their trade value is not very good. Like, at what point are they worth more to keep? Especially because I don't see either of these teams as, like, fully throwing in the towel at the deadline. I just don't see it happening, even if they should. So, you know, I mean, at at what point is the person worth more to your ability to continue pretending to compete than they are in trade value? Like, you're going to have to, you know how much freaking salary you'd have to eat to, like, move Scherzer? (laughs) Like, I don't know if that's worth it. I don't know if that would be a smart thing to do.
1: I don't know. Cohen's been opening the the pocketbook. He may be okay with that if if it brings back prospects. I, I guess view it as you know that's the cost. Quite literally, the cost of adding prospects to your system that can actually get you to the promised land.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, that, you could look at it that way, yeah, I mean, I, I don't could. know, but do you really want Billy Upler bringing, like, evaluating your prospects that you bring in, or would you rather just wait until you can fire him at the end of the season, and maybe get somebody who knows how baseball works?
1: Oh, so, you know, I mean, I'm not so sure they wouldn't be worse off just firing someone and hiring them now. Yeah. <laughs> like. And I don't disagree. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like I don't I, I don't think someone coming in and not being up to speed on the organization could do worse. That's all I'm saying. Irby, how are you? Yeah, I, fair. <laughs> how are you here? Where are you at with the Mets and the Padres? Tweedledee and Tweedledum.
3: I, yeah, unfortunately, a lot of same old, same old from what we talked about earlier this year. And, and no, I'm, I'm with both of y'all. I see the six and four, and that reads like a five and five four and six and then unfortunately it's not going to get it done for the Padres situation yeah you're only 10 games out you know so okay maybe a little bit better of a chance there but no not with the teams ahead of you the Mets it's you know it's no chance in the east so you're both fighting for the wild card and so I yeah I mean it, sure throw money at it at, at this point you just throw more money at it thinking that that'll get the job done and 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 or I, I shouldn't say money I, I mean just any value, you throw the value at it. And, and sometimes it's money in this case. Is it, is it prospects? Is it, do you bring something in and try to turn this around? I, I, I say, no, it's easy to do when, when you're not the person in charge, because this is, and I know we've talked about it, Bo. You and me have definitely butted heads. Many of friendly night during Ranger games and all that. And um, I, I hate when teams do this, when you spend so much on every position, you know, not saying that these owners well, just bust out the checkbook and apparently spend more. Uh, their GMs have been told to do that at times, but it's you're, you're in a situation now where it's like, okay, what are you throwing money at? Like, like you, you can't just keep buying stuff. You put yourself in a position where you can't pivot to go out and get the pieces that you want, and that's why I've never liked when teams build this way. Can it work? Sure, but unfortunately, we've seen this quite a bit lately. You know, I... I and it not to great success, I mean, to a degree, the Dodgers almost did it for a while, and then they got a little bit smarter and started using young talent mm-hmm. more and more. The, the, the Padres, I, I mean, my gosh, this is – honestly, I, the Padres, I have to expect them to trade for Otani. Like, like, I mean, you've just done everything else here. Like, like a fully, like zero. If that happened, I my shot value won't even register. To say, yeah, that sounds they good. Don't yeah, they don't have tri-
2: the prospects to trade for. It. I agree. To I offer. That's not. I possible. agree.
3: <laughs> it's the Angels, so I agree. It's no. There's nothing to offer, and and somehow, <laughs> it's gonna get like no, no. They're not gonna. Tony's not going to San Diego, and, and same with the Mets. Like, you know, it. This is the beauty of sports, and this has more to do outside of just baseball as well. Yeah, it looks great on paper. Like, both of these teams, though you were saying it there at the beginning, like, you've been looking up and down these rosters, and it looks amazing on paper. That doesn't mean it works. Mm -hmm. And that is where, I I, I mean, it's, it's clubhouse, it's manager. It's so many other factors that it's just what makes sports so fascinating where you can take a payroll that's making less than three or four players on the Padres and beat them and beat them consistently and win games over and over. So I – look, I, I both of these teams – no, you, you've you committed so much in this direction that it, it is the fire sale. But as you both said, you know, because of the talent, because of that aging talent, especially for the Mets, I – sorry, Mets fan, you, you, you're not trading – Verlander away, and and getting something amazing like 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 we're we're not you're not getting top prospects, you're getting a ball, you're getting double A guys. So I I sorry, there's no good answer. I mean, well, okay, there's no good answer that you want to hear as a Dodgers and Mets fan. There's there's an easy answer here. You will not be playing in October this season. These these are not playoff teams. Mm-mm. Not going to happen.
1: And I, I kind of want. ESPN did like a thirty for thirty on the Mets and the Padres, the twenty twenty three version, because as much as like you you see something like really really bad, you can't not look at it, you can't not watch it. Kind of like that. Like I I would like to see <laughs> like a behind the scenes documentary of these two teams and watch the train wreck with some popcorn.
2: I, all right, well let's wrap this one up, Bo. Just give me a real quick like a yes or no. Though. Like we know they should sell, but are they gonna sell?
1: You know I. I think they're going to try. They're not going to be successful. No, no.
2: I said yes or no. Are they going to
1: sell? Yes Yes or no. Are they going to sell? Yes, they're going to sell. Both of them? Yes.
2: Interesting. Okay, because I don't think either one of them is going to sell.
1: So let's see what happens.
2: Okay. (laughs) There's a good argument either way.
0: There is.
3: And also, neither sells.
2: Okay. All right. Neither will sell. Okay. Interesting. All right. We will revisit this at (laughs) the trade deadline.
1: I'm an island by myself. <laughs> All right. What else is on the docket there, Samantha? All right. Well,
2: let's talk about somebody who's doing a little bit better. Um, someone who's conquered their Becky. Um, so <laughs> the, the, sorry guys, I can't stop. It's like the feral cats. I can't stop. It's gonna um, be a thing for a while. But, yeah, we're, we're just going to roll with this. Um, I need more information, Rockies. You owe me this. Like you guys don't do anything interesting. Tell us the backstory. I demand it.
0: Um, but
2: let's <laughs> let's stay in the NL West. We'll, let's talk about, about somebody who's not having a scoreboard malfunction or a you know, that's the West thing. The Giants. The Giants have quietly put together a really good season. They're at fifty four and forty one right now. They're a game and a half back in the West and a game and a half up for the first wild card in the West. So I mean, I don't even want to ask you guys, are we buying the Giants? Because I think that we are. Um, When you look at the competition amongst the other NL wildcard teams, I think barring some kind of catastrophe, probably we are buying the Giants to end up in the postseason one way or another. So I guess my first question to you guys will be, do you think they can challenge the Dodgers to the division? But also, like, why is this happening? Why is this happening? Because it's not like we thought the Giants were going to be, like, a catastrophically bad team. But we also didn't think they were going to be a particularly good team. I mean, I think we all agreed they were better than the Rockies. And and I'm pretty sure a lot of us said they might be better than the Padres. But turned out to be true. Um, And there was some question, I think, about the Diamondbacks. But, like, what is causing this? Like, how did this happen? Is it, I don't know, like, how are they putting this together? Like, is it just, like, is it the magic of Gabe Kapler? Is it because Gabe Kapler is hot and also (laughs) smart, which just makes him hotter like, Gabe I, Kepler, man. I've got to be really careful when I say yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, I'm not actually asking you to agree that Gabe Kepler is hot. Um, it is a contributing factor, though. Um, but is it, like, but Gabe Kepler is smart. We'll all agree on that part of it. I will be the only one who says that makes him hotter. But I think we all agree that he is really, really smart. Yeah. Right? right. So, like, sometimes a manager can manage their team into something better than what it really is. And isn't at least in part due to Gabe Kapler and what
1: else? You know, I, I think it absolutely is because of Gabe Kapler. And okay, yeah, mm-hmm. th- this is what his second managerial job, right? Yes, yeah, and his so, second year with the Giants, yes, yeah. yeah. And he, mm-hmm. he really seems to have come into his own. Um, mm-hmm. now, now, obviously, he's got you know he's got to guide this team into into some championships to really get that that nice pedigree. But he's got he, he's of all the young managers out there right now, he's got the best shot, I think. At, I agree. At, at reaching at reaching that level, uh, it, you, and I think they absolutely can. I mean, look at what's actually going on right now in the National League West. Okay, you, you, you've got Arizona, who's had a rough rough stretch, are three and seven in their last ten. The Dodgers in San Francisco. The Dodgers finally put it together and start winning games. They win eight of nine, and the Giants have matched them. The Giants mm-hmm. have now won seven in a row. They're both eight and two in their last. Ten games, so so. Not only did the Dodgers finally hit their level, the Giants hit their level at the same time. So I, I, it's going to be a three-team race. I don't see Arizona going anywhere. A bad week is a bad week, but it's a three-team race. The Giants are going to be right there. I don't think there's. You can make the argument for any of the top three in the National League West for winning that division. An argument can be made for all three of them. I like the Giants better than the Diamondbacks. I do, but that being said. I think the Dodgers have a lot to worry about. They've got two really good teams right nipping on their heels.
2: Yeah, I agree. I, I think any of these three teams, I mean, we're, I think we're fading the Diamondbacks a little bit, which which makes sense, right? They're they're young. They're, they're a little bit inexperienced. Nobody expected them mm-hmm. to be here. But, but I do think, you know, there's still a pretty good chance we're going to see. Like, I'll tell you what, I'm not buying is Miami. So I still mm-hmm. think there's a pretty good chance we're getting three wild cards or, excuse me, two wild cards out of this division. Like, right now, I think I'm Philly, San -hmm. Francisco, Arizona. That's where I'm at right now. So, you know, we may see three playoff teams out of this division. I don't think any of them are going to be Tweedledum. So (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: Herbie, how about you?
3: Oh, I'm definitely buying Giants. Uh, This this has been fun to watch. Uh, This is the, the, the... Great start, second half of the season coming out. I mean, Pirates sure that that's easier, but they've gone into Cincinnati this week and just taken care of business. One of the hotter teams in baseball. So, I this is what you know. It's kind of a, a, a different version, um, and it only happens in odd years. We are in an odd year, but the Giants are kind of like the Cardinals in this way, where they uh, <laughs> they show up, and if you stick and if you let them stick around. I, this team gets the job done, and, and, and that's what we're seeing here with this giant organization because it, it is a lineup. I, I, I'm not going to go through the, the, the offense and the pitching stuff, but it is definitely a, a cast of characters here of things that we are not expecting, things that you're not punching uh, on your all-star bracket, You know things like that when you're voting for that. But, but it's a group of guys that are getting the job done. And I, I, I enjoy watching it. I mean, it seems like this happens all the time with the Giants. Um, one of the better teams on the road as well, and they're proving that right now. So, yeah, I, I expect because of the pitching staff that, that is that is rotation and bullpen that we're going to see a couple, couple more bumps in the road the rest of the season. But like, like you said, as we sit right now, you're a game behind. Uh, the Dodgers, and you're sitting in that wildcard spot. So, yeah, I, I like what's going on in San Francisco and uh, not betting against these guys.
1: Nope. <clears throat> Me either. Smith, anything you, you want to add to that before we move on to the next one?
2: Are they buyers at the deadline? I mean, I, I want leave Otani out of this because we're going to come back to that later
1: on right. the show. Yeah. We, we will talk about this. But
2: other than are they in the Otani market, are they buyers at the deadline? I think
1: they are. I think they'll buy something. I think, yeah. I mean, you got an opportunity to not only make the playoffs, but to topple the Dodgers and win the West while you're at it. Yeah, I think you're a buyer. Mm-hmm. I agree. You know,
3: now, yeah, I agree too. This is a this is a buying organization, um, mm-hmm. and and what's yeah. around them too. You know, it's but we'll uh, get to the Arizona one shortly. But yeah, I, I'm buyers here with the Giants. Yep. Okay.
2: yep. All right. Well, we are unanimous on that one. Uh, (laughs) see how that shakes out as well all right last thing um so i think it's time to visit the you know we've talked a lot about the new rules and what they're what's working and what's not and there were a few we had to wait on um and and one of those was the new shift restrictions where we needed kind of you know half a season of data before we could really say You know, is this working? Who's it helping? Who's it hurting? And the results have been kind of interesting. So I I thought we should look into this. Mm -hmm. So generally speaking, BABIP is up seven points um, on typically shifted players in general. So that's like back to 2018, 2019 levels. It's not terribly notable. More important, I think, is that Babbitt is up 36 points on pulled grounders and liners from left-handed hitters. Mm -hmm. So I I think that's probably where, you know, we're really seeing that, yeah, this actually is making a difference. Um, However, it's not always helping the people you think it was going to help. And in some cases, there have been some people who are actually doing worse uh, who we thought might benefit from this. So... um, If you look through the most estimated hits gained due to shift restrictions, the person who's actually benefited from this the most is Jose Ramirez. He has 14. So that's interesting because he's a switch hitter and was not somebody who was frequently shifted on. So so that's interesting. Behind him, Jared Kelnick at 13. I have some questions about whether that really has anything to do with the shift or if that is just that he has improved overall. Mm -hmm. Uh, At number 12, Josh Naylor, Kyle Tucker, Anthony Santander. At number 10, Anthony Rizzo. there's your first guy who we had talked about as potentially a a great beneficiary of this, as well as NJ Melendez. Number 9, Bryce Harper. And at number 8, here come a few more that we thought we would see, Cody Bellinger Mm -hmm. and Corey Seager. They each have eight uh, over the estimate. As well as Jason Hayward, Adley Rushman, Shohei Tani, <laughs> and you think that's the shift? I do um, And Ryan McMahon. So Seeger has the highest BABIC of that group of those on those pulled grounders and liners. So, so that's sort of interesting, because there, there are certainly some people in that group who we thought would be helped by it, uh, but there are some people missing from that group who we thought would be helped by it, as well as some people included in it who really mean, Jose Ramirez is leading this, and he was really not a person who was harmed by the shift, particularly. So it seems to me that this helps good hitters. Uh, maybe Anthony Rizzo accepted. Um, <laughs> but this helps good hitters. I um, mean, you know, Josh Naylor, too, you have to wonder, like, did he just kind of figure out how to hit left-handed pitching? <laughs> that may be a very real part of this. Um... But then we look at, you know, who's it not helping as much? You know, then you've got kind of like Ben Attendee, Matt Olson, um, Juan Soto at five, Joey Gallo at three. There's another guy who we thought was going to be, you know, one of the greatest beneficiaries of this. And then you have the people who's really not helping at all. You know, Max Muncy at two, Max Kepler or I'm sorry, at minus two. So he's two behind, actually, where he would have been a year ago. Max Kepler at minus one. Kyle Schwarber at zero. Louisa Rise at minus one, although that feels a bit silly to me because he was barely shifted against a year ago, just 2%. So those are interesting. And then, of course, we have the disaster folks. Jeff McNeil, minus seven. Seven. Wow. So that's pretty rough. Um, I think that has more to do with the fact that he was mostly beating the shift a year ago. So you're talking about something different. You're talking about that when he does pull the ball, there's now probably going to be a fielder there more often (laughs) than there would have been. So I'm not sure that actually, you know, that there's the person where you can probably argue that the shift restrictions actually hurt him. Uh, A little bit different than, like, you know, Adam Frazier, um, who's at minus 10, Colt Long is at, at minus 10, who are probably just performing poorly this season, and well, yes, some of those are affected by the shift. You have, when you look at all their numbers, all their numbers <laughs> have progressed. So I'm not sure that's what that is. But in any event, some of it is a little bit predictable. Some of it may be a little more surprising, particularly when we look at the people who it either isn't helping at all or isn't helping very much. I mean, Gallo is the one that really sticks out to me, um, you know, that this is, looks like it's barely helping him at all. And mm-hmm. we thought he would be one of the, the bigger beneficiaries of this.
1: I mean, it, it. The Gallo was a little surprising. Um, Seager's not surprising at all. I, I expected. that. No, we yeah. thought he would yeah. benefit,
2: and Cody Ballinger was the other one. We, we thought they would both benefit from this, and we were right, as well as Anthony Rizzo. You know what?
1: Yeah. You know what's been interesting though, and this is something I've noticed throughout, you know, up to this point in the season, is. We're still getting. You're still getting the, the a little bit of an infield shift. They just can't go all the way over. You don't, have, mm-hmm. you, you don't have the fourth outfielder. What it has done is seemingly take away the middle of the field. Like like you see balls that are that come off rockets off the bat that, yet last year and every year before was oh that's right off the middle. That's a base hit. No, it's going right to the shortstop who's barely on the shortstop side of the bag, or it's going right at second base who's barely on the second base side of the bag because of how they've shifted.
2: Well, that's a great point, and isn't that where the Jeff McNeil thing comes back in? Where yeah. if you have somebody who's using more of the field, it's almost going to hurt
1: them. <laughs> so. it, ha- it has. That's the thing. It's 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 a different. It's not as you know. It's it's not as big of a deal as as the full on shift was to left handed pull hitters and right handed pull Like it, it's not that big of a deal, but it's noticeable. That the middle of the field is suddenly not guaranteed anymore. You could hit it on the screws right at the yes. back of second base and still be out.
2: Yeah, that's a great observation. We have seen a lot of that, like things that 100% would have fallen as a hit. Yeah. Um, right here ago. Is, yeah. So it's, it's interesting. You're almost like the shift has shifted, as it
1: were. <laughs> that's exactly uh, <laughs> what it is. The shift has shifted. <laughs> Herbie, how about you? What are your thoughts here?
3: Well, well, now I'm stuck on the shift shifting because okay, if the shift is shifting, and uh no, no, Let's see. I oddly enough, so this is this is one um, when, when when prepping this, Smith, I love how you did you know told us do not do any research, do not look at stuff or if anything, and I wrote down a handful of names who I thought would be benefiting from this, and I kind of spot on the I the. Craziest one there for me is the leader there. The, the first one you said, Jose Ramirez, because of the switch hitting. Um, that was interesting that he is, a, this is such a positive benefit for him. Um, I That one, I because of it, like you said, because of that, I don't know what's going on. But, um, deep dive, deep dive uh, stats research coming up with that one. That, I'm very intrigued by that. But, no, other than this, uh, you know, the, the Corey Seager you guys talked about, I think we said that all from the beginning that this is a huge one. Um, Joey Gallo, love the guy to death, but yeah, that is definitely an observation of, yes, there's a lot more to do with him um, than just the shift. So, no, nothing too crazy jumping out there.
1: All right. Samantha, anything else you want to add here?
2: No, no. Just I mean, the, the Jose Ramirez thing is, is fascinating and bizarre, and I'll be I'll be interested to see <laughs> it, if you end up turning anything up more than that because it's like he's a better hitter from the left hand side. So why would anyone have been shifting him in the first place? It doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> and somehow, you know, it's a great yeah. argument for like the best players will be able to exploit any advantage that they're given. So, which is probably why people like Corey Seager are benefiting more from this than, um, let's say, Colton Wong. <laughs> who's not really had a, a great season and is, is not as great of a hitter. And, and, you know, Arise, it's like, yeah, I mean, it feels a bit disingenuous to even throw it out there to say, well, Luis, Arise is, is actually being harmed by the shift. But, like, if you were shifted against 2% of the time a year ago, then that's such a tiny sample of your at-bats that, like, so we're talking about this this handful, what, five, like say it's five at-bats or whatever, and, and now you're, you're only hitting in, in two, two of those instead of three. Like that—that doesn't—that's not really very meaningful. It only matters if the person was truly shifted against for a significant portion of time. So that's why I think it's important to put that caveat out there. But yeah, it's weird. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, Irby, you're up. What do you have for us this week?
3: Well, the first one, jump us jump jumping this back out there to the uh, the the NL West. Um, we, we briefly mentioned the uh, those Diamondbacks, and and not not really a check-in with the team, but more of, you know, where, where are they going? This is kind of a check-in of where they're at as an organization because they've been building this thing. They've gone through their rebuild. They've shipped off, shipped off some of their really good talent and brought back prospects, and now we are seeing it. We, we are seeing the fruits of that this season, and it's an Arizona team that this was not the season. This was not the year to go for. This is not the year to go, you know, play for a division win, play for a World Series. Like, like nothing about this Arizona team makes you think, yeah, these guys are going to be playing in the World Series. But with that said, this is an Arizona team that absolutely can't make the postseason. And, and kind of what you pointed out a minute ago is that we, you guys think that they will hold on to that final wildcard spot, which I, I agree with. But before we get there... Like you're two games out. Like like it's been a rough start coming back. Some people have had some really good starts, some have not had some great starts. It's been a rough start coming back from the all-star break. What's next for Arizona? And and that's what comes up trade deadline. And this is an organization that I am very intrigued to see what they do because you were not in a position where, you know, what the aforementioned Atani, they're absolutely not making that trade. You're you're not looking for any kind of a rental situation. You're looking for something That can be held on multiple years. Now, would Arizona potentially make a trade, a a rental trade? They don't have to give up a ton? Sure, absolutely, and there are targets out there. Um, This is one where I, man, it it is crazy as it is, and there's a nice history, um, and I I do want to get you guys' takes as well if there's anything that sticks out, but I kind of want to see Arizona and St. Louis having a conversation again um, the, the dream scenario there is is would it be possible to ship Goldschmidt back to Arizona for prospects? How crazy would that be? <laughs> but more so, this is starting pitching, and and, and this is uh, you know, and it, it's it, Montgomery and Flaherty are going to be the conversation pieces there. I would love to see this Arizona team be a buyer. We talked about that, with, you know, with the Giants a few minutes ago. That we all think they're going to be buyers. I think Arizona needs to do the same, though it will not be the same. This is not going to be a buying all-in. This is not going to be selling off the farm because you're still building things. But this is an Arizona, this is a Diamondbacks team that is winning baseball. They're winning series is left and right. They are hanging in there in the West with two proven teams, and the Dodgers and the Giants, and you're two games out, and the starting pitching is kind of a mess outside of Galleons. So go out, get something, and help these guys feel a little bit better.
1: Well, I think you hit it right on the head there at the end there with not going to sell the farm, not going to go crazy. Samantha, I I look at Arizona and I see a team that is fascinating right now going into the trade deadline. They are, I would think, going to be cautious buyers. They're not going to go after a time because let's be honest, they're not one player away. If you're one player away, yeah, you trade the farm to get that one player because as we say on this show, all the time, flags fly forever right but they're not one player away. If they were one player away, if if Atani was it and he could he could pitch 3 out of 5 spots turns through the rotation and hit 3 or 4 times a night in, or 3 or 4 times in the order, fine. Right? But that's not that's not where we're at with Arizona. So I I I expect them to be cautious. I expect them to go out to maybe one of those those like, you know, the expiring contract guys, that go for the rental. That's not going to cost you very much or Dip into somebody with some service time. What do you think here? What do you, what do you think Arizona is going to do?
2: Yeah, I agree with you. Arizona is not in the Otani market. They're not in the rental market in general because, like, you're you're in the first year of your window, and your window came early, and you have a really healthy farm system, which means you can afford to buy, even though. You're not really supposed to be here yet nobody's going to be mad if you don't do anything but there's an opportunity here right there is an opportunity to put on a good show for your fans to get yourself into the postseason do something exciting so so yeah i think a a small buy or buy a certainly of somebody who has some service time left um absolutely yes I, i think that makes sense but like these guys, I think, have shown that they've been really smart about the way that they have done this rebuild. Their farm system is really healthy. They made some sort of, not very splashy, but like really kind of critical and productive free agent signings in this offseason. So I think that's how they're going to continue to operate. It's not going to be the, the big shiny object. It's not going to be, I mean, you don't even have to say, oh, Connie. it's not going to be anybody who's at the peak of the market. But a small rental that could help them. Yeah. They can afford to give up the prospects for that. And it's certainly for somebody who's got some, some control left. Absolutely. Especially if you think you can help your pitching, because it's a bit rough there as mentioned right now. So, but yeah, I I think they're buyers. I I think they're modest buyers and I think they're going to be smart buyers. And I think that will continue to help them stay in the race.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of organizations out there that are going to be buyers at this deadline that are a year early. And, they they all have, like they all have front offices that are going to be measured or smart about this. Like there's no prellers with these teams, and that, that for, that's encouraging for me. Like it's it's you know you're gonna, you're going to take a shot, you know, you're you're going to try to add to the team and, and, and see what you can do about getting in the postseason and make some noise. But you year, year early, your window is just opening. I don't think any of them is going to go crazy. Or what else do you have?
3: Well, I mean, hey, great, great, great job, segment, going crazy, doing too many crazy things. So, um, let's check in on the Yankees.
1: <laughs> oh, let's let's do that.
3: It's been a oh man, been, it's been a minute. Um, so, the good news is, is you guys are four games over five hundred. Um, I I'm sick and tired of, and I have a a, a friend of mine who loves sending us all the time. He's a diehard Yankee fan, but he's like, well, you know, if we played in the Central, we'd be leading it. Great, awesome! You don't play in the Central, so <laughs> man, um,
1: so obnoxious.
3: I, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, as as we sit here tonight, as we as we as we as we record this and have this kind of wonderful conversation, uh, yeah, fifth place in the East. Uh, the good news is that that is only three games out of the wild card. Uh, the craziness that has become the AL East. So there's plenty of good. There's plenty of talent. There's plenty of things that, that, that can write itself um, with this Yankees organization to get things done, to get themselves right back in this conversation. But with that said, <laughs> you're, you, you lost a series to the Cardinals. You split a series with the Orioles. You lost to the Cubs. You lost to the Rockies. And you're close to getting swept by the Angels. So at some point, <laughs> players on the field before we continue this hard conversation of adding and and making you all a contender and getting you right back in this conversation to go win, go storm up through the East and win the division. You got to start winning ball games again. And, and this is, this is bad. Like I, I am, I, I am not at the point, like we're not, we're not doing any deaths, death names or anything like that for the Yankees. We're nowhere near that. But this is not good. This, you know, I, I, outside of one specific starting pitcher, there's too many issues. There, there there's up and down this roster, this rotation, this bullpen. I, I, this is not this the Yankees organization because we we've all been there. You know, when they come to town, when the Yankees come to your town, and say, like, oh, you marked that on the count. Here we go, man. We got to show up this weekend. We got to show up, and take care of these guys. This is not those Yankees, and the, the talent is there the, the, the potential is there but I, I, I got I you know we, we got to see a lot I got to see a whole lot here before any kind of move because all that said all, all these things are going I think these guys are going to be buyers I really do see them doing something uh, adding to this roster but you know, I, I again back to the one that we said. I don't see it being the Otani situation because that real quickly I'm going okay. So does that mean that at some point you're going to have Stanton and judge in the outfield while Otani DHs when he's not pitching? Yeah, that's not going to work out. Like, I, I, but there are additions. There are things that can be done to improve this team. But I, I don't know. I I don't know where you guys say with this. But I this this is not intimidating. This is not the intimidating Yankees roster that. I, I just don't see this team storming back up and taking it from, well, now the Orioles, but the Orioles and the Rays.
1: You know, Samantha, there's... I don't think there's a single thing, not even a tiny, I don't think there's a single move that the Yankees can make that's going to solve the one fundamental problem that they can't win without judge. I think that's it exactly. What's the move you're going to make?
2: what are you going to do to fix this? There's not a move. There's not three moves that's going to fix this. So I think that like, look, part of it is like the Yankee mystique being confused with reality because the Yankees really have not been a scary team for probably more than 10 years. So um, it's just not the reality that we live in. Um, But because the rest of the East has become so competitive and they have become less so then. Yeah. I mean, it's, I <laughs> I don't know what you do to fix this that you can achieve at the trade deadline with a good enough farm system. But what, what are you buying? You can't, like, point at a thing and say, I'm going to replace that and everything will be fine. I mean, I, the, I guess the most interesting thing about them right now is, like, I'm thinking about the fact that, like, this team, you probably would take a really – I'm not saying they're not going to buy. They're absolutely going to buy. They're the Yankees. Of course, they're going to buy. But wouldn't it make more sense under the old playoff format if you were the Yankees to go for it because when you had that one game wild card, like you just throw Garrett Cole out there, he's been lights out, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like you don't have that anymore. Like I yeah, could you win one game and at least get yourself into the next round? Absolutely you could. Can you win a series? I who's gonna stress the, the games. It's <laughs> is is Gary gonna throw three times? I don't think so. So you gonna find that many pitchers? Like I don't think so. So I just – I don't know what you buy here to fix this. But are they going to buy? Yeah. And also, like, are they a playoff team even? I don't know. At this point, I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know. think it's impossible. But at this point, I would have to say no. Like, gun to your head right now, are the Yankees a playoff team? I'm going to go, no. I don't think What so. would you say?
1: No. no. Yeah. No. I think Boston's a playoff team before the Yankees. I agree. Right. I agree. You got the Yankees here. <laughs> They're sitting here. The run differential is plus 12. Well, and Well, that's, and that's, Boston's a better team right now. And that's, <laughs> and that's before Rodon gave up six in his start today. This is Wednesday. Yeah. Wednesday. It's like, yeah. come on, the Twins have a better run differential. The Angels, who's smoking on oh, this God. week, the Angels, <laughs> who's smoking this week, had the same plus 12 run differential. I mean, this is where we're at, Yankee fans. The Phillies are at plus 13. They're going to be better than you by the end of the night. The Cubs, I, I'm sorry, I... I can't the, let it the go. The
3: Padres have getting, a better one.
1: They're the getting Padres. beat up by
2: the Angels. Like, can we just stop and think about what that means? The Angels. <laughs> right?
1: The, God. The, angels, the Angels who always find a way to lose, even when Atani goes 4 for 4 with five home runs. Yes. <laughs> right? Like, come on.
3: <laughs> the Angels who were dead done for the season three days ago. <laughs> Yeah. The Yankees have single-handedly Still brought them back to life. <laughs>
1: nope, nope, nope. The, <laughs>
3: yeah, no, the that's
1: Angels true. are just taking them down with them. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, the, the Angels are three and seven of the last ten. Two of those wins have come against the Yankees. So take that for what you will. <laughs> no, like there, there's there, there's there's nothing the Yankees can do. Like this this season, like, like I'm tempted to give them a death code name. I'm really tempted, but I'm not. Or I will restrain myself. What else do you have for us, Erby?
3: Well, the, the, the last bit, um, you know, we, we talked about, we've been throwing out these fun names and, and uh, you know, trade possibilities. And, you know, you have to think with what's going on right now in New York that Shohei Otani, if he were happened to be traded to the Yankees, would be rather ticked off. Uh, no, don't put me here. I don't want to be a part of this. So it gets you thinking, you know, what else out there is there? Because, you know, the, there are some you know, there, there's no trade clauses, and there's 10-5 rights, and there's multiple things here that can keep you from getting traded, but there's some players out there that really don't have a say-so in, in where they get traded, so it gets you thinking, like, you know, who would get the most upset? Uh, you know, and, and, and some of the ones that really pop up, you know, I, I, I shudder to think the reaction that would happen if, well, I mean, if Lance Lynn gets traded, period, he's going to be upset, and we're going to get plenty of F-bombs in there, But but could you imagine if they traded Lance Lynn to the Astros? Like how how unbelievably upset he would be? Um, you know, that's one another one that we can't do. Like like you just cannot do is is you know we I talked a little. We talked a few minutes ago. You guys were talking about the Giants and are the Giants buyers? And yes, they are. And they could potentially use a good bat upgrade and an outfield upgrade. But they probably should make a trade for Tommy Pham. I don't see Tommy Pham and Jock Peterson out in the same outfield really working out so well. So that's just a couple of fun ones there. Uh, I don't know if you guys got any others too that did just kind of you know the trades that you know might look good on paper, but it's just not going to work out well in the clubhouse.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, he's hurt, but Joe Kelly to the Astros would would, would not work out well. Um, but they could use some back. They could use some bullpen help.
2: <laughs> There's a number of those. Like, or um, who's the the other one? Um, Middleton for the White Sox. Like that guy that's the one who freaked out about Carlos Correa. He's like, You're a cheater, I don't like you. <laughs> like I don't I don't think that guy's gonna be real happy about going to the Astros either. <laughs> so so there they're the like that. He, he might go to the, the Twins.
3: twins. <laughs> he can't do that either.
2: Or the Twins. Yeah, right? Um, and, you know, Lance Lynn, I, I'm sorry, I love Lance Lynn. He can't go to the Astros. I forbid that. Like, But also, I'm pretty sure Lance Lynn would, like, chain himself to something and refuse to go. And I, I respect that. So, so I'm not super worried about that. Um, but, yeah, there's some weird ones. I mean, the Tommy Pham thing is, is really funny. You also have to wonder, like, you know, since Mike Trout was the one who was running that fantasy football league that, that got everyone so upset, like, can Tommy Pham also not go to the Angels? Like, something to consider. Um probably wouldn't be super happy about that. So I don't I, mean, I don't know. I don't know how much resentment he harbors towards Mike Trout, but it seemed like he was also fairly mad at Mike Trout. So, you know, that's also a problem. And, you know, we, we know Otani can't go to the Dodgers because the RD Marino is insane. Um but I mean, other than that, it's probably mostly just about people moving within divisions and division rivals. And, and also, but I think playoff rivals is a thing here, too. You know, like teams that hate each other in the postseason. Like, you're not going to see the Guardians and the Yankees <laughs> swapping players, for example. There, there are a lot of teams like that that really do not like each other who only meet in the postseason in any significant moment. So, number of those as well.
3: <laughs> I, yeah, is that... That kind of brings in the Stroman conversation, don't we? We probably yeah. have a couple places okay. that Marcus Stroman's going, yeah, I'm not going.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and remember, too, he said, I will opt out. So that's going to scare off a lot of people, too. Yeah. So in addition to all of the people he's managed to get into an argument with recently, the list is not short. So um, <laughs> I love Marcus Stroman, but he's a live wire. So, um, <laughs> that's the best part about him. Yeah, he's great. He's great. I'd love to see him. I mean, he said, he said, if they trade me, I might come back here. And I was like, oh, wouldn't that be delightful? It's the, the Kenny Lofton um, for my Cleveland fans out there where they trade you. You're gone for three months. They get a bunch of prospects back, or, you know, in that case, a couple of major leaguers. Then you just come back and re-sign again as free agent the following season. Why not? Be great. I support that. Back to the Cubs. <laughs>
3: Oh man!
1: Irby, anything
3: you want to add here? No, 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 no. It's just it's, it's a fun thing uh, to watch, and um, you know the wouldn't that be the the ultimate? You know the I'm thinking back to the Tommy fan. Can't you see that trade happening? And Peterson's going in the office, going, "What are you doing, No, man? We're we're trading you too. <laughs> we're upgrade, but it's not really an upgrade like now. I, I I I shudder to think what would happen there. And um, the Lance Lynn, yeah, as Matthew said, I can fully see Lance hearing that, going, "Cool." Awesome. Is it finalized? Yeah. Awesome. I retire. Screw this. I'm out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. So, well, let's, um, let's move on to the big fish at the trade deadline. Let's talk about Mr. Atani here just for a second. Uh, Samantha, I, I think just, just for the, I don't know, sake of the, uh, of the argument here. Like, let's just assume they trade him. Let's assume they're going to trade him. What could you possibly get for a Tani that makes that makes it? Well, we're talking a once-in-a-century talent. I mean, this is, this is the ultimate lose-lose situation for the Angels, which, of course, tells me that they're going to somehow still screw this up and not get the proper return, which I'm not sure what the proper return even is for a guy like a Tani. What do you think the Angels will do here?
2: Well, I think we should start by saying the reason we're saying let's assume they'll trade him is because, I don't know about you guys, but I don't think they're going to trade him. Like that's that's my take. I'm like 30-70 on it. Right yeah. Now. I don't. I don't think they trade him. I think they're going to sit on this. So that's the first thing. But okay. But like for the sake of conversation, if we're saying they trade him, I don't. What do you? It would be different if he had a year of control left. Then it would be like almost like no one can pay this. There is no one who can pay it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But because it's a rental, a very brief rental, and. I think we're assuming that the team that's going after him here is not necessarily going to be the one who signs him. Exceptions to that being like the Giants, the Mm -hmm. Mariners, maybe the Yankees. That's probably about it. Mm -hmm. I don't think the Yankees are going to be willing to pay. Um, Boston's definitely not going to be willing to pay. And so that really just leaves, since Artie has announced that he will not trade with anyone who is too close to him geographically because he's insane. Because the Dodgers would have been the thing that made the most sense. They could afford to give up the prospects, even just for a rental. They could also reasonably expect to re-sign him. And Artie was like, nah, we're not gonna do that. Let's let's take a trade partner off the table, which will then lessen the player's trade value because there will be less candidates for it and no one to drive up the price. Like smart as usual. What a moron. Um so like Giants mariners, maybe like I don't really know what the asking price is going to be for this because we don't actually have any precedent for it because when the only other significant two-way player was traded, he was traded for a couple of thousand dollars and the rights to the play No No Nanette. Uh, that's Babe Ruth we're talking about, if you don't know the story. Um, so somehow I don't think that Shohei Otani is going to be traded to the Yankees for the rights to a Broadway musical, but it is already merino. So I don't know that I would say there's 100% certainty that that doesn't happen. <laughs> but, but I mean, I don't even know. Like To me, it's like who even has the, the pieces? I, I don't know. It's it's tough because... As, You have pointed out previously having the pieces to conduct this trade properly as befits a rental of a tiny skill is a lot different than those same parameters, but make it the angels. Like somebody might have what they ask rather than what he's actually worth.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's that's exactly (laughs) what will happen if they trade him. Yeah. Uh, and, and, And what I've actually found rather interesting is. The more it's mentioned, the more the angrier Moreno gets. So I'm like, let's keep talking yes. about it because it's just hilarious yeah. watching watch him get all red. <laughs> yeah, I'm which
2: sorry. makes it even less likely that they'll trade him. Like, yeah. it's
1: just going to
2: get dumber and dumber and dumber, and then you're well, going
1: to get nothing. Yeah, uh, the, well, you're I, not going to go to
2: the playoffs, and you're an idiot. Um. <laughs> you know,
1: and, it's, and it's also two different conversations in a way because like Minasian would absolutely <laughs> trade him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I trade agree. Him. I agree, right? Because he'd like to keep his job or get another one someday. Yes. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, I always feel bad this time of year for nation because you know Moreno gets in the way. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. You're, no, this is not Perry. Manation. It's not Perry's. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's not no. his fault. No, and I always feel bad for the guy because he gets blamed for it because he's a Minshew. No, you got a, you got a really bad owner that's going to sit here mm-hmm. and, and pitch a hissy fit. Last I like, get, like, they could get a king's ransom. Marino's going to say no, but I think to answer your question. It has to be a team with, with a top five farm system, and you have to go to that team and go. Your top six prospects. There is no give me giving you. Know, let me pick out of a list. This no. You're your top six.
2: Okay, but the only team that actually has a top five farm system that would be willing to trade for Otani is the Dodgers, and right. Artie said no. Which is why so they was, can't trade
1: it. <laughs> which is why that was so. Dumb, <laughs> right?
2: Because now you've you've just eliminated your only viable trading partner. So now you can't trade him, which is probably what I already wanted all along. So. But that's <laughs> Here we are.
1: Um, I mean, that at least for me, that's that's where it, where it should be. It's like it is your top six. There is no mm-hmm. it, there is no ambiguity. There is no negotiation. Your top six prospects. Yes. Right. Not not one and two, and then sprinkle in seven, eight, and twelve. No, your top six draw the line that's that's where it is but again <laughs> irby finding a trade partner is not going to be easy and probably will pretty well downright impossible and even then even then that, that's that that's the scary part here is like even then is that really enough for a guy like Atani? the top six is that enough that might not be enough
3: no it's not and that's why, I, I again, and, and I will engage in the conversation, but I'm in I'm the same ballpark as Samantha. This is this trade's not happening. What he's doing and everything, Artie, Artie will take the money um, for everyone to see this show and to see him chase after Judge's record and continue doing that. that he, he'll take that money over it. I, I don't see this trade happening. With that said, yeah, I mean, top six, sure, that's, that's where the conversation starts. Um, and that's why it won't get done. Like, like it's, it's just stupid. You know that, but the Dodgers do you it know, potentially. Yeah, but like I said, it won't happen. I don't. I don't see uh, the Giants, you know, throwing that out there. I don't see the Rangers throwing that out there. I don't, definitely don't see the Rays doing that. You know, it just doesn't. It, it is one. It's almost the situation here, and and this is where Artie once again misses the the, the boat big time. This trade made sense in the offseason. Because it was a full season's worth, um, you're 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 not getting any compensation. You make the, this is the the alt, This is a rental, an absolute rental. You're not getting any compensation for him. So you are getting three months of Shohei Otani, and three months of Shohei Otani is game changing. It, it you know one player isn't going to make the difference, but this one player can make a difference for a team that is close to that precipice of winning. Who is right there? Who is? who is looking at this division, who has a team that can win in October already. He is a difference maker that makes you scary good. Absolutely. And because of that, you have to give up so much for three months. And and that is, and, and will somebody do it? Yes, absolutely. It's possible. Like, like if this happens, it's, it's, it's not out of the possibility that this will happen. If it does happen, we will sit here and go, my gosh, Look how great they are. Their farm system is a dumpster on fire now because it will be horrible. It will be, wow, that is way too much. No matter what, the, if this trade happens, it will be, wow, I can't believe you gave up that much. this the only way it's going to happen is it's going to be too much because if it's anything less than too much, the Angels, again, knocking going to like, no, we're not taking four A-ball <laughs> pitchers and hitters. You're not going to do that. You're going to take some names. You're going to take some top talent. And I wouldn't give it up, especially for a rental. Yeah. If this happened in the off season and you have a full season of Otani, it's an entirely different story because there is a full season to get some negotiation done and everything and potentially get this long term deal done. But it's not going to happen here. So, no, I, I, I don't see it happening. Um would I love to see somebody like Baltimore coming out of nowhere and doing this? Sure, <laughs> it'd be awesome. <laughs> like, like it'd be fantastic to see Baltimore just out of nowhere with what's going on in the East. And then, I, I, I partially to have them make that trade would be great. But two to see the scramble that would happen at the rest of the teams in the division of like, holy crap, <laughs> Otani is now with the Orioles.
1: I'll tell you what, though. Just PSA to those teams out there that could potentially do this. If you do do this, don't give us this malarkey about, well, we think we we have a really good shot at signing you, but no, you don't. So stop. You gave up your farm for three months of it for Otani. Just leave it at that.
2: Would you give up your top six prospects for Otani? No. Because I wouldn't. I mean, I would, however, I would give up my top ten prospects for, like, six years of Otani. But see, the problem is, is that's never on the table, yep. right? right? Because yeah. he's just a free agent. Where well, you can get him for free, you can get him for nothing but cash. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> plenty of people are going to. Can go I,
3: into Samantha? Pay. Can I flip that to you? Mm-hmm. Would you give up your top six prospects for an entire year of Otani? No, no, I would <laughs> either. No, hmm.
2: no. You want to know why? Because I know how that movie ends. I will go back to the 1997 Indians and tell you that the best team in baseball, the best team in the World Series, the one that was one play away from winning it, how is Ohtani going to help me there? Is he going to go out there and rip the ball out of Jose Mesa's hand and say, don't worry, dude, I got it. I'll just throw this last pitch, like some really weird, like, watch swap type of thing. How's that going to work? Like, shit happens in the playoffs, man. Mm-hmm. It's not worth it. It is not worth giving up six prospects, 10 prospects, whatever, for one year of any one guy because the weirdest possible thing could happen. You could be cruising the whole way. You could be one guy away. Uh Uh-uh. No way. Absolutely not.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And this is actually what makes what Marino has done absolutely just more bonkers, taking out the one team that could absolutely – pay in terms of the prospects, and would do it because they do have the money to sign him, and they are on the West Coast. I'm talking about the Dodgers here. They, they yeah,
2: they should, would actually have a shot they, to resign him. They've got yeah. a shot
1: to resign him, right? So, you could have... The it, only people that make sense. You could, oh, have, you could have sent a across, across town, received a bunch of... Pro- basically, just clean out the, do- the top part of the Dodgers farm system. Completely clean out their top ten Putting them in the hurt locker if they don't sign Otani back. Putting them in the hurt locker after this year, where you would then have a chance to be the team in LA. This is very short-sighted. Um, I said a chance. Yeah. I said a chance. <laughs>
2: sure, technically, on paper, it is possible. Yes. Um, but yeah, I it's mean, very short like, You. This is why I think he doesn't want to trade him because he took his only real viable trade partner under the circumstances and said, "You know what? Not you. <laughs> Everyone but you. Not you."
1: <laughs> you're not allowed so I, I, you're not allowed in my treehouse
2: <laughs> oh my god what a dope what a dope although i mean i have to say a am to the Orioles would be awesome
1: it'd be awesome
0: oh, man, i would be candy. so
2: and i would yeah, love that although i don't know that i want the orioles to do that because that would really work there for our system i don't want that for them
1: i would um, but it would be cool i would prefer to not have jackson holiday in the A.O. West, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, Atani hitting at Camden Yards, yeah, that that would be nice. That would be. Really it would nice. be
3: good for Grayson Rodriguez because then he would go to the Angels and you would get a chance to actually develop and be an MLB pitcher. Sure, Jan.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Are you all right?
1: <laughs> all right. Okay. Let's 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 move on. <laughs> for the record, I don't think they trade him either. But that was a fun conversation. All right, uh, let's have some more fun here. So, I was perusing a nice little article about old ballparks, because we all know how much this panel loves old ballpark stories. Uh, I thought, what about some interesting little quirks with some of these old stays. I thought showed. Uh, we all know about that, you know, the Monument Park used to be in the field of play in center field, 460 feet away, so not many people could reach it, but if you did. That was a small problem. Um, we know how the Astros, they, they did their little ode to Crosley Field with their hill in the in the field to play in the outfield and a, a, a flagpole. But there's some others. Uh, the 10-foot overhang at Tiger Stadium. Samantha, I, f- I completely forgot about the 10-foot overhang at Tiger Stadium, all because, all because they wanted to add some more seats to the outfield in Detroit. This is of course the old Tiger Stadium. We're not talking about Comerica. This is the old one.
2: I, yeah, this was weird. Um, I this is like and we this is one we actually remember, right? So, which is also because a lot of these are really old. Yeah. right. So yeah. this is this is a, a slightly more modern park, you know. So sort of like, well, we all remember Towles Hill as well, but yeah, this was weird. Um, it sort of looked like I don't know. I mean, I live in New York there's a lot of scaffolding around right Mm -hmm. like when you're on the sidewalk you have to walk under the scaffolding and you know if you move into a new building you have to ask you know hey are you planning on doing any work anytime soon because you might end up with like scaffolding right in front of your window which is like a creepy because there's work people right outside your window and also you you know that's what you're going to look at for the next you know year and a half or whatever that's what that thing reminds me of it's like when somebody just sticks the scaffolding in front of your window without asking it's like this thing was hanging out over the field what could go wrong why oh my gosh Yikes. Yikes. And also an eyesore. That thing was an eyesore. The entire, it looked horrible.
1: <laughs> the entire stadium was an eyesore.
2: Also true.
1: <laughs> I, I was about to say something super mean about Detroit, and I'm not going to do it. <laughs> right. I'm not going to do it. Here's another one. Here, here's a fun one. Um, the Phillies you know, a long time ago, back in the 30s, played in a place called the Baker Bowl. Uh, Down the lines, down the line, down the right field line uh, was 280, okay? Not exactly a major league distance. However, the wall was 60 feet high. And they had to do this because (laughs) there was some railroad tracks behind the wall that they could not, Move so they had a short field and decided to put a really big wall, sixty feet high, Irby, sixty feet high down the lines. I I, w- I would love to hit just for a little bit in that ballpark, just to see how difficult it was to get one over that sixty foot wall.
3: Yeah, that's <laughs> sixty foot wall. Yeah, this is. I think I've played on some softball fields. Um, where they had kind of the same thing where it's like, yeah, you got to get a nice little fly ball there and, uh, to crank it over. But yeah, I mean, that's, I would like to know what, did it say what kind of wall? Was it a wooden? I'm assuming that's a wooden wall.
2: I don't know about you, but don't you just picture this as like the wall in Game of Thrones? Because that's what it looks yes. like in
3: my mind. Yes, The giant. See, ice there wall. you go. Yeah, <laughs> like, like it's like is this what, what kind of like is, is this a wooden wall that doesn't have a layer in front of it where you know after one area is getting tempered enough, you've kind of got like some wood that's warped. <laughs>
1: All right, so and so
3: the ball potentially hits it and doesn't bounce off properly.
1: <laughs> okay, so the, the answer to this is th- there, there were multiple building materials for this wall. It had a wood base, a 10 midsection, and a screen on top.
3: Holy crap. So three different, wow. So see, that is, there's big time home field advantage. If you're the outfielder, you know, as you get used to this, you get used to, you're looking at that liner, you're checking out angles. It's before stat cast, you got to check those angles and you're realizing that's hitting 10. I need to get closer because it's not going to bounce as far off. Or, nope, that's going to hit wood. I need to stay back a little bit. There's some serious home-field advantage right there.
1: (laughs) I'm just wondering how you end up with three different building materials. Clearly, at least to me, they started with the wood wall, and everyone was hitting it over the wall. So then they added the tin because they ran out of wood. And when that wasn't quite enough, (laughs) they added the screen on top.
3: I, I would like to know what was next.
2: Bird, this is Birdcage. Don't add. Don't add. Like <laughs> more stuff out there. I don't know. This isn't working that well. Let's put some kin on it and that. It. Oh, Good it's still so not working. How about a Good
1: job. Oh, man. Uh. Okay. All right, so I have another one. Samantha, this one's for you, because I think you would appreciate this one uh, wholeheartedly. Uh, so uh, the first ballpark for the Washington Senators burned down. Okay, so they had to build a new stadium uh, called Griffith Stadium. Uh, Nice-looking ballpark, you know, for, for that era. You know, it had, <clears throat> had the outfield seats, you know, a nice little single-deck stadium around. Uh, but when you look in center field, You'll notice that there's a corner in center field, a wall, like cornered of a wall in center field. And I'm not talking about the weirdness that is Fenway. I'm talking about an actual like corner in the middle of center field. Well, it turns out that when they built the stadium, one family refused to sell their property. So that corner wall in center of field is around the property line of that family. So on the other side of this wall, you have an oak tree and a house.
2: I, this is so great because like that family is me. Like, isn't it everybody's life dream to live in the ballpark? Like, I don't know what like weird things you fantasized about, like as kids, But, like, a lot of, like, my, like, imaginary life had to do with, like, a scenario where, like, I was invited by the then Indians to move into the suites at the ballpark. Like, me and and my family and all of my friends. And we would just move in and, like, all the suites were going to be the different rooms of our house. You know? And we would just sleep on sleeping bags on the floor because, you know, you're, like, five. Like, you're fine. You'll sleep on the floor. You know? Like, I, I definitely, like... Yeah, I want to live inside the ballpark. That's cool. I would refuse to move, too. Like, listen, man, I'm not trying to interfere with you building a ballpark here. It's just that I'm unwilling to leave. And if you're conveniently going to build on top of my house, then I'm going to put a window right out the back of that. And I'm just going to watch the game from center field out my house window. It's great. <laughs> it was nice of them to leave the tree, too, because one does want a tree in one's yard, and even if you live inside a stadium. It's nice. It's nice to have a tree. So, yeah, no, this is that is me. I am that family. I would refuse to leave. Have to build around me, man. And you know, can can you put like the best concession stuff right next to my house?
1: Yes, I think we could do that. I think we could do that. Mm All right, one one more before before we move on to a fun little conversation about the arm. Uh, This one's interesting. Um, The original stadium of the Senators that burned down, National Park, it had another. It had a quirk that's similar-ish. To the its replacement, uh, it wasn't a house in an oak tree in a, in a corner of center field. No, it was a doghouse that was placed inside the ball yard so they could store stadium flags. So it's a doghouse in the field of play. And yes, one time a live ball went into the doghouse. Take that, armchair umpire! Ball goes into the doghouse. <laughs> one Sox Seabold of the Philadelphia Athletics. Hits the ball into the doghouse while the senators are trying to retrieve it. The ball becomes stuck, allowing Sox Siebold to go around the bases for an inside the park home run that went into a doghouse.
2: Oh, my God. Why is this not an armchair umpire? That is amazing. Is the dog <laughs> – is this a ground rule double if the ball gets stuck in this doghouse?
1: Apparently not. <laughs> wow. Oh, that
3: would – that that would definitely come down to uh, game rules, individual game rules, and probably was talked about before the game. Of yeah, if anything goes in the doghouse, it's a live ball. You gotta go. You gotta go in the doghouse and go get it. Yeah, yeah. Um, curious, how big of a doghouse is that? Like, could you put a relief pitcher in there? Because I have plenty of time. I would like to put a relief pitcher in the doghouse after said performer.
1: I, you know, I, I don't remember. I'm sorry, it doesn't list it uh, as how big that – big enough to store stadium flags, so sizable. Now, not enough probably I think for you a relief pitcher.
2: A, <laughs> you might be able to fit a pitcher if you fold him up, right? Also, could you put a dog in there and then train the dog to be friendly only to people it knows? So if you're posing out, had to go in there for a do- for a ball, the dog would run off? just a thought.
3: Now there's home-field advantage home field right advantage. there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go get the ball! No, man, I, that dog's gonna bite me again. I'm not getting yeah. it.
2: <laughs> yeah, and you'd, you'd make it something like a dachshund or something so that, you know, you could lull people into a false sense of security because, like, you know, that thing weighs, like, 15 pounds, but, what, you know.
3: What player, you know, current or historical, what player would be wise enough to have a dog treat in their back pocket just knowing that if the ball went in there, they'd be running over there and going, here, 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 and throw the dog treat to get... To be able to get to the ball.
2: Does it have to be a right fielder?
3: No, yeah, it, has be,
1: no. it has to be a right fielder? Well, where was the doghouse? Was it in right field? Oh, yeah. Um, oh, it just says field of play. Uh, I don't.
3: <laughs> okay,
2: so I will accept. I don't know. Is it Mookie Betts?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I can see Mookie Betts.
2: So... <laughs> I can totally see Mookie Betts taking a dog treat out there. Or somebody. No, no, you know what? It's Aaron Judge. I said Dachshund. He owns a Dachshund. Right field. It's Aaron Judge. There you go. I mean, he's not going to fit in the doghouse because he's like 300 feet tall. But like, he could where He could be like, listen, I know you're kind, doc Sings. Yeah. I have one at home. This is what mine likes, and you know, you get the ball back. So it's Aaron Judge. If he ever gets healthy again, maybe we'll try this.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I think he's had. An, I think he's had enough of outfield objects. But you know. Hey,
2: well, there is a long weird history of Yankee pitchers being injured. Remember when David Cohn got bit by his mom's dog and had to miss a start? So. You know, <laughs> the dog biting might not go over that well with yeah, he been there before.
1: <laughs> All right. One more before we get to this week's armchair umpire, although it's going to be tough for Irby to top that one. All right. Uh, so I want to chat here uh, about Mr. Drew Rasmussen uh, for uh, the race. He's having... UCL surgery. Now, it's it's not Tommy John. This is the internal brace. So, I thought this was a good opportunity uh, to talk about this and and, and what the, what the differences are here. So, Samantha, help, help me walk through this. Now, it's it's Tommy John's, of course, replacement. They they take they take a tendon from somewhere else on the body, usually the wrist or behind the the, the hamstring, and replace the UCL. The torn UCL, replace it with another tendon, and. Course rehab and whatnot. A year and a half later, you're fine. In most cases, the brace is interesting because they actually use the the ligament that you already have in place, like your actual ligament. But they just reattach it because it pops off on on, on one one side of the ECL pops off. They reattach it and then they put a brace. A uh, what was it? Is a collagen brace? That helps the arm heal, but it's supposed to be faster. So I, I guess the question here, Samantha, is Is the reason why we're not seeing more of this because only it, you have to have a very specific injury for it to work, or is it because there's not enough data that players are willing to take the risk?
2: I'm going to say probably both because we really don't have enough data on this, and it's mostly been high school players who've undergone the procedure thus far. Yeah. So I don't know that that's necessarily the data set you're going to like trust for this, but a lot of it, too, like you said, is because this isn't necessarily going to work for every Tommy John candidate. But, I mean, you're shortening your recovery time. I mean, you, you can throw in 10 weeks right. after this yeah. as opposed to six months. That's a huge, huge reduction in, in time. And it's because... I mean, the the big problem with this, right, is, like, the reason it takes so long to heal is because there's no blood supply Mm -hmm. to the new tendon. But this thing is made of collagen, and it also attracts collagen, like your own collagen that's already in your body. Mm -hmm. It attracts the collagen, which allows it to build faster, and then it builds around the brace. And you have the added benefit of having the original tendon in there, which is more likely to heal both correctly and faster. So, yeah, I mean, you want to say, yes, this is the miracle cure, but like you said... I don't know if we have enough data on it yet, although it seems promising. I do think it's promising. The bigger problem is going to be, I think, that there are going to be people whose arms are not in it. You won't be eligible
1: for it. Yeah, but it does. I mean, it's like you just said, it, it shaves the time. Because Tommy John is, it's what, three months? Mm-hmm. Three months before you can you pick up a baseball. Well, yeah, and six months before you can throw. Right, yeah. six months before you can throw and a year before you can even think about a bullpen right but with, mm-hmm. with this and the brace at least the early returns so far the brace has provided more stability for the elbow which i find fascinating right like that that's the part of this that's interesting to me is that that little piece right there like like this this brace actually provides more more stability to the elbow than just swapping out the ligament
2: Which makes sense if you think about it. Because you're adding collagen and you're also then attracting more to the areas. The whole area is solidifying, essentially. I guess what we don't know, I mean, this will be, well, here, this will be the question, right? Is part of the problem with Tommy John, especially if you have it young, is you're going to need another one. So the question here is we don't know yet whether if you do this, if you're just fixed or if you'll have to do it again. Or if it'll only work once, and then you would have to have the traditional form of Tommy John. Or, you know, we don't know that. We also don't know what the long-term effects are of the brace in the body. Not that I think it's, you know, it's not going to poison you and kill you. It's collagen. It's not like that. It's more a question of, like, at what rate does it deteriorate? Does it Mm -hmm. then cause the actual UCL pieces that were there to deteriorate faster? So far, we don't think so, but
1: we don't know. It hasn't been long. You know, and and that's the problem because it's so new I mean we're talking about a yeah. few years like, like, it's going to be a while because we do need to have unfortunately for the guy that this happens to but we need we need it to fail and, and figure out where they go from here is, is this full on time job do they try the brace again these are all questions that we can't answer until unfortunately someone snaps their brace off right
2: well yeah yeah and then yeah, I mean, is it worse to snap the brace or is it better, yeah. you know? And it's like, so, okay, so then let me throw a question back to you and we'll throw this to Irby as well that, like, okay, so is this something then that you, if it's your only option, if they're telling you this is going to be better for you or you're getting so old that you would run out of time before you could recover from normal time? John, I think you do it, right? Because it's not going to kill you. You know, nobody's, like, chopping into your brain or your spine. Right. yeah. Like, right, like, there's medically there's not a lot of risk. But I think if you're young, I, I don't know why you would try this, mm-hmm. you know, like because we just don't know. if it's kind of like your last chance, then, yeah, why wouldn't you do it? like that you would try it, right? so
1: I mean, would would you I would think I mean I, I well I, you know, it, it, that's a really difficult question to answer because like if it if if I Felt confident, like fully one hundred percent confident it would work. I would, I would try it. But I, I think what you also had to factor in is you know, Tommy John. The first Tommy John was in the seventies. There's been, some, yeah, uh, yeah. Like, like like the advancements on that particular procedure are so off the charts. I mean, surgeons can almost do them like like they're doing LASIK corrective surgery now. It's just muscle memory for them at this point. They do so many of them, right? This is new. It has the, the, the methods have not been tried, not necessarily tried, but like like they, they haven't gone through the trials that, that the regular Tommy John has. So that would give me a little bit of pause. But let, let's bring Irby on this. Irby, what do you think here? Would you get the, the, the Tommy John brace if you were a candidate for it?
3: I get the conversation, Samantha, what you were were pointing at, if you are near the end of your career, if this is the the last opportunity, um, okay, I get being essentially the guinea pig here. I I get that because it's, well, why not? Because another Tommy John I'm potentially not going to recover, so let's see what happens. That's what's interesting about uh, Drew Rasmussen being the one that does this because he's 27, just got to his first year of uh, arbitration, so this is a young pitcher um, who's still got plenty of time, you know. And, and, and again, this will be fun to watch. It you know everybody's watching this. This is this is not just Tampa Bay watching this rehab. Everybody's going to be watching this process because, yeah, it, what, what does is this something where it it's going to be fine, like you're saying, Bill? The, the the initial returns are great, boom boom, awesome. But once you start putting more and more pressure on it, does it? deteriorate quicker or slower you know i what happened i mean i'm getting desensitized here because i'm I, <laughs> y'all are talking about this as we go through it and and, and all i can samantha you background about this I, I all i see is tire degradation in, in like formula one Yeah. Like, okay the tires yes. dying quicker or or not you know it's like like and and but it's not we're not talking about a tire that's a that's a that's an object that's a tire this is a human body. This is a person. This is an arm. And, and like you said, this isn't something that's going to kill you or anything like that. But it, I, I, a step like this, you know, because it, I see you can already see how this plays out, is if this becomes that bridge, if this this significantly reduces the time and, 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 and you can perform longer with this type of injury, like, does this become the preemptive surgery? Do we start seeing 16-year-olds? being told by their dads that you're going to go get the surgery now, it's going to hold you till you're 24, then you get again at 24, you miss the age 25, and then you're able to pitch for 26 to 35. Like, is that what we're going to see? I, I don't know. I, I Again, very little data, lots of time before we find out what this, what returns we're going to have.
2: Well, there's a less nefarious question that relates to that, too, because, Irby, I think you're right. I think there's a very real danger of that happening. But does this also mean all the avoid surgery, guys. Mm. will have it. Yeah. yeah, Also, one more thing. I have to, to mention this. Um, okay, so, Bo, you mentioned we've had a long time to, like, perfect the actual Tommy John mm-hmm. surgery, right? Yeah. So yeah. we know exactly how to do it so that ultimately it does not harm anything that is fundamental to your ability to pitch. This brace, we don't have much data on this. Like, is there a chance, and it could be different for every person, but depending on what your motion is like, is there a chance that this thing puts a tiny little hitch in your get-along, and it might not be everybody, might just be certain people, the way they move their arm, that all of a sudden, you would have to completely change your delivery, because your arm will no longer do it.
1: Yeah. It's a possibility. Absolutely, it's a
2: possibility. Especially if the surgeon's not that great. <laughs> so, I mean, I know they have the best surgeons in the world and everything, but it is a new procedure and we don't necessarily know what the right way to do it is, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, yep.
1: Yeah. And you know, one more thing before we, before we get into armchair empire, sure but like, all it takes is one failure. Like like Tommy John, what is it? 90% Samantha's like yeah. about 90%, 9, yeah. 90% successful. So at least 10, yeah. 10% that are not. And you know, we've all seen players that... <laughs> They go in, they have Tommy John. It just doesn't work. They're done. Their career's over, right? Well, and that
2: 90% includes a lot of multiples, too.
1: Right. You know, people yeah. who will need it
2: again. You know, the 90% mm-hmm. just means you can keep going. It doesn't mean you'll never need it again. So,
1: worth noting. <laughs> but the, the the fan and the front office, and what, a little desensitized to a Tommy John failure, because, yeah. right, one of these pops, one of these, one of these braces goes the wrong direction. There's gonna be a stigma on it. And that that stigma is gonna it's gonna affect contracts. It's gonna affect uh, the confidence in the in the surgery itself. It's it's too new. One one high profile guy gets the brace and it doesn't work out, ends up getting regular Tom and John and then that works out, then we're gonna have a problem with this.
2: Well, and what happens when the organization says we want you to do it this way, and
1: the player says no, I want to do it the other yeah, way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, who gets
2: I'm, to decide?
1: You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm actually a little surprised this hasn't already been brought up in CBA talks. I mean, I guess they got bigger things to fry, but come on, yeah, like this, it, yeah. yeah
2: who owns your arm, right? This is the who owns your arm? <laughs> who really owns your arm? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah now, because I, I mean, if I'm a player, I'm like, you, you can advise me, but you're not going to tell me. It's my arm. Yeah. It's my arm, it's my
0: livelihood.
1: Yeah. Somebody's gonna go, No, I bought that arm and then, uh, we're <laughs> off to the races. <laughs> yep. Yeah. All right. Irby, anything you, you want to add here before we move on to trump Arm
3: trump I guess we just gotta get that ambidextrous pitcher and just try one on each arm. See there how you go. Goes.
1: A nice <laughs> nice little
2: A B test. Oh, Pat Pat Van D. Yeah, the guy yeah. who the guy yeah. who threw with both arms. Yeah, he's not a baseball right now. We try to like we'd like to operate on you as an experiment. Now I feel like we're in a weird gothic novel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna stick this thing in both of your arms and see what happens. Uh you wanna do that for us, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my. All right, let's let's move on to Archer Empire before we get really ridiculous. Irby, what do you have for us tonight? <sighs>
3: All right, yeah, yeah, ridiculous. Well, good. Well, let's stick with ridiculous, right? That's the beauty of armchair umpire. It's ridiculous. So, um, I'll, uh, yeah, this is a uh, – no, let's just dive right in. I, I don't, I don't want to press it for you guys. You guys, all right, ready, up? Um? So, let's say the Guardians lead the White Sox 3-2 to two in the fourth inning. And with one out, Tim Anderson laces a single to right field. Next up, Andrew Benatendi then sends a long line drive to deep right center field. Anderson, jumping on the on the contact, quickly rounds second base, heading to third in the spirit of scoring on this, only to find his third base coach screaming and waving him to run back as Will Brennan has made a circus catch. Anderson touches second and begins his sprint back to first, but slows up, realizing he is dead to rights. <laughs> However... Brennan airmails his throw to first baseman Josh Naylor, and the ball flies into the dugout. As we learned last week, the fielder throwing the ball out of play leads to two bases. Anderson looks at the umpire, gets the nod from him, and begins jogging back to second and on to third. The instant a new ball is in play, Guardians hurler Tanner Beebe toes the rubber, throws to first base, Terry Francona the Guardians immediately appeal to the umpire that Anderson is out for failure to retouch first base. White Sox and their coaching staff begin yelling and screaming, saying that he doesn't have to retouch because the ball was dead upon leaving the field of play, and the umpire nodded and pointed him on to third base. Okay, umpires, having signaled Anderson on to take third base, what do you do now?
2: Well but if it was a fly out he had to touch first, didn't he? He had to tag up.
3: Yes, yeah. Brendan makes the catch, so he is running back, he's past second, he's touching second on his way back to first. While doing that, the ball goes out of the field of play.
2: Okay. So I'm pretty sure that well, okay, this is gonna be one of those either there's a rule we didn't know existed. Or we know how to solve this because you yeah. have to tag up. You yeah, have to. he has to still so, touch first. Yeah, so in my opinion, he still has to touch first. The only way that's not the case is if there's a weird rule that mm-hmm. says if the ball leaves the field of play when you are on your way to tagging up, then the ball is instantly dead. But why would you necessarily get two bases on that? I don't think that's accurate either. Okay. Because
1: well, the fielder air- airmailed one into the. Camberwell, right? That's
3: Camberwell dugout. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Okay, so all right, so we're calling that the, the that's the ground rule double. So you're taking yeah. two bases. Two, all right, yeah, the two
1: base error. Right. Okay, but he still has to touch first. Like he. Says- I agree. He still I think he's got to back- tag up. He still has to come back and tag up. Now the umpire that led told him to go to third. Kind of has some egg on your face, everybody. Uh- <laughs> yeah. Although
2: I will say this, I'm pretty sure once. Wait, did Bybee Bobby- – like, once you start a new... didn't Somebody would have called time, right? So isn't it kind of tough luck? Because you didn't throw them out at first before that? That could be it. Or yeah. or did no one call time? Because I, to me, it's like, if you're the Guardians and you didn't catch this, and it's on to the next batter, you can't just be like, well, now we're going to do it. Because, you know, time was called. Everything stops. Right? That's always the case. So perhaps had you done it earlier... You know, had you caught it because the umpire made the wrong call, he would have been out. But because you didn't do it until then. Unless you're telling me that no one ever called time. That technically the umpires were just waiting to see what you would do. But that's an umpire error then. Because time should have been
1: called. Yeah, if time... I don't know. I, 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 I think he he has to touch first and then take yeah. his two bases. That that that's, that's just where I am at now if I'm wrong and some addendum to some rule is telling me I'm wrong that's fine I'll I'll take it but that's the way I understand it. He still had to, Yeah, he, I am with to touch you. first.
2: Yeah, I think I mean I think the the correct way to play this or at least the way that I think you want to play it and I do too is that if there's a rule about where he's at and where when the ball goes out of play, we don't know what that is. So we have to act on the information that we do know, which is that you have to tag first before you can advance. So if we're wrong, it's because there's something that we couldn't have known. So we want to stick with the answer that at least, logically speaking, meets what we know, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. All so right. you had to tag, so you're out, basically. Yes.
3: Yes. <laughs>
1: All right, Irby, that's our final
3: answer. Could you imagine if right now if I used the term, like, umpire's balk, how quickly <laughs> you guys would kick me off the show would, something like that now?
1: There would be an <laughs> uprising for sure. Because, or the, the highly
2: specific white right fielder's balk,
3: which is different yeah, from the white right fielder's balk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, you guys, well done. Good job. You got this one. You did not fall for any of the yeah. traps out there or any of the things that really doesn't matter. Um, It is odd um, in the visualization of this that the runner while returning to first, while it's happening and the ball goes out of play, it is a dead ball. But that runner is still responsible for taking, touching first base before moving on. Because moving to second, moving, getting the two bases from first to third, oddly enough, that is not a requirement. You could potentially stay at first. You could just go to second. That is just that is a basically a gift. You are given two bases, so the runner actually does not have to take those bases. Again, why? Why in the absolute hell would you ever do anything like that? <laughs> you know, you absolutely would oh, take sure the bases. I'm sure.
2: Think of someone who would do it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and there probably is something I, I could see. Albert. <laughs> Albert Bell, knowing that no, I'm staying at first. I'm about to run this guy over. Probably is a real possibility, <laughs> but no, it is. Even though the ball is out of play and Anderson hasn't removed from second to first, he's still there, and the umpire's like, "Yeah, you can take your bases." It is still the runner's responsibility to go and touch first, then jog to second, touch second, and jog to third. And as strange as that seems, because this does seem like, well, this is an easy cut. Like, yeah, just take him over to third. Let's move the game along. I, I love this rule, and it's it's seven point zero two in the rule book. Um, and it's, it's so specific in this and it's what helps make baseball great. It's what helps make these rules very understandable as you guys have kind of gone through that this past month, we've really hit a lot of these where the explanation is like, okay, that actually makes sense. And baseball is so strict on these things that, yeah, it's a dead ball. The ball is out of play, but as the runner, you are still responsible to touch that base because it was a fly out. You have to go back. You have to touch that base. Now the gift is that you can jog down to second, touch it, and jog over to third, not just immediately from where you're at, just jog over to third.
2: That's cool. I like that rule, too. I think it's interesting, and I, I like how it, it works. I, I love, again, we talked about this last week, about how beautiful baseball is and that there's always a logic to it even if you don't find it when you're told about it later you'll go aha that makes sense and look what we said here like we said like if there's a weird rule here we don't know what it is so follow the logic you have to tag up you're still responsible for that and that turns out to be the case so i think that's really interesting and i, I love just sort of how beautifully these all work out like yeah baseball like man they knew what they were doing when they made this school book it always <laughs> makes
1: sense <laughs> yeah the, the NFL could take a page or two out of it that's for sure Mm-hmm. alright <laughs> that was good one Irby nicely done on Armchair Empire that's going to do it for us though we're out of here until next week don't forget to like the show give it a review give us a subscription help us out with that algorithm so we can get some more lollygaggers into the bunch for Armchair Empire but until next week watch some baseball it's good for you